Twin Peaks Cinema originally began as a Patreon podcast. Uh, every episode on this feed was originally released for patrons. However, there's some stuff on Patreon which I never actually shared on the public feed. So the following uh, samples are clips from those podcasts. These are things you can only find on patreon.com slash lost in the movies for a dollar a month. So uh, here's a sample of what you can get uh, through that archive. Uh, to start with, the most recent uh, comparison that I made to Twin Peaks was The Tree of Life. The deepest, most compelling uh, aspect of uh, The Tree of Life and uh, Twin Peaks, particularly Firewalk With Me, but also the original series connection, which is this idea of looking back on a person who has died and maybe trying to figure out why they died, how they died, the relationship to the father that influences that. Because as I mentioned in Tree of Life, the whole narrative, to the extent there is a straightforward narrative, is kicked off by this death of the second brother and Jack's grief and Jack's feeling of, I think, implicitly some sort of guilt. Before that, I compared Twin Peaks to Drugstore Cowboy. So that little speech, I think, was kind of the first moment where a real strong kind of Twin Peaks vibe clicked with me, both because of the mirrors and this idea of looking at yourself and looking at yourself backwards and your inner self and all of this. I think it's very odd in a way to think of Bob in this film, this junkie going around ripping off drugstores uh, as a kind of an analog to Cooper. But there is something there, both in sort of the road trip sense of how, what we see of Mr. C in season three, but even the Cooper we know in the original series, who is responsive to these signs from the universe and has a certain code that he goes by and a certain stubbornness, uh, I think. Before that, I drew a comparison to Field of Dreams. The film has these weird rules around this stuff, sort of like Twin Peaks does, about who can go out, who can come in, when you can go out, when you can come in, what the what you know, what what you do. But everybody kind of flows with it here in a way they don't in Twin Peaks. And Twin Peaks they kind of clash with the rules with some dire consequences. But that whole sequence of course made me think of the last line of Twin Peaks. What year is this? Um, that that idea of being kind of displaced in, in, in time and place and trying to go back to the past to fix it. That's something that um, Ray is doing throughout this film, and he gets to kind of fix the past, but only in the present, if that makes sense. Here's a comparison to The Big Sleep. So it's not like uh, he's going through all of these apartments and big, tall buildings. There's a little bit of that in the film, but... I think particularly of all these scenes where he's going out to like a sort of a country club somewhere. He's going out to this, uh, this house behind a, uh, a mechanic shop. He's going to the, the Eddie Mars home where it's almost this quiet, tucked away little home in a, in a cul-de-sac area, but it's got this whole shady underworld meeting there and, and all of these types of things. Uh, so that aspect I think also relates to Twin Peaks where you have, the kind of urban texture of a noir with all these hidden worlds and bustling around, but it's in a small town. They're going to these houses and little offices tucked away here and there. Another episode was Angel Face. She's playing at being that type of character, but she doesn't quite have it in her. And in some ways, even though she's a murderer and manipulator and all these other things, 
she has some spark of like a uh, sort of moral sense or conscience within her. And that's, that is something we do see eventually with Evelyn Marsh, but it feels fairly unmotivated. It's just apparently because she loves James so much. There's no real compelling sort of backstory as to what brought her to the point where now she's starting to regret this. And uh, th so that's something that's missing from the Marsh storyline. And then also, of course, just the drama of it. Uh, the Marsh storyline basically ends, or it kind of flatlines because it keeps going, but not much happens uh, with the accident. Whereas Angel Faces really, it really only gets going at that point. That's just the setup for all of this. Several years ago, I covered three women and compared that to Twin Peaks. The Carrie Page character seems like somebody who could be straight out of Three Women. Um, the accent, both these characters are from Texas in the film, even though they're in California. These sort of backwater western communities where they've got trouble with men trouble with work struggling to keep up a home kind of alone like you definitely get the sense carrie page is not married she's a single woman uh, most likely i don't think we ever see a wedding ring on her finger and she's kind of alone in the world she says i tried to make it work she has these little statements in the long car ride with cooper that to me could come straight out of uh, three women and and uh and robert altman and cooper himself has a kind of Pinky Rose-esque feel, the way that character transforms throughout the movie. The film The FBI Story was also another Twin Peaks cinema episode, but we have Lynch subverting all of it. The mythos of the FBI, the mythos of the domestic nuclear family as like the shelter from the world, the evil coming from outside. There's a great quote in FBI Story where they're talking about, uh, you know, the communists, and... Uh, Jimmy Stewart has a line, which if David Lynch saw this movie, I'm sure he, this line stuck with him in some form or another. He says, now the enemy was international communism. It threatened education, labor and management, church and the home. And yet communists could be found in all of these places. So this idea of the threat within this very Cold War, the evil within mentality that I think you see throughout all of Lynch's films, certainly Blue Velvet. The Lynch short film, What Did Jack Do?, which came out on Netflix. I think it's the last released work by him at this point. Uh, I had some Twin Peaks thoughts on that. I'm trying to think if Lynch has ever really done like a, a flashback per se. Obviously, he's done time-twisty things in Mulholland Drive and uh, Lost Highway and so forth. But it seems like, for the most part, he has characters telling about something that happened and we don't see it so much as as we just hear about it i mean there are definitely exceptions to that but i think more often than not he leans into having the character say it and kind of leaving it to our imagination a little bit uh, certainly all those scenes in the bar at the end of each episode with season three where they're relaying these events and it's all the more haunting for not seeing it and it feels like this monkey stuff kind of i wouldn't even say grows out of because obviously he was planning it even before he improvised those scenes more or less the TV show Wise Guy, which had an arc, the Lynchboro arc set in a town that was clearly based on Twin Peaks. This came out before Twin Peaks aired, but uh, the creators had already seen the pilot, so it was an early tribute to it. And there's a roadhouse drinking hole where all the characters gather after work and, you know, gather around the bar and kind of pat the new deputy on the back and welcome into town. There's a teenager named Bobby who gets into trouble for being jealous of an old girlfriend. I mean, come on, <laughs> like how on the nose is that? And the funniest thing is this Bobby character actually looks like Mike. 
He's like a jock looking kid. I think he might even have a letter jacket and he's got like a blonde hairdo. And uh, the character actually pretends to kill him at one point to ingratiate himself with Volchek. There's the local bordello run by the madam. In this case, she's much more loyal to the patriarch than uh, than Blackie is to Ben. We have weeping uh, weeping cop finding a bodies in a river, crying over him. This is the sheriff. I compared the Federico Fellini film La Dolce Vita to Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks is this small town, seemingly in the middle of nowhere, buried in the woods. And on the show, much is made of its rustic rural nature. Although we do get what Grail Marcus calls the, you know, the noir city as, as a feature of Twin Peaks, very incongruously somehow. And uh, we do get glimpses, I think, of Fellini there. One-Eyed Jacks feels like a very Fellini-esque location. And it's worth pointing out, Wild at Heart is Lynch's most Fellini-esque film, I think. And that was made right around this time. Nonetheless, the two works seem quite different. And we'll talk some more about their more superficial similarities that are kind of surprising and fun to look at. But the fundamental reason that I've featured La Dolce Vita here as, as a piece of Twin Peaks cinema is because of its structure. The Double Life of Veronique was one of my earliest Twin Peaks cinema comparisons. But more substantially, I like the idea that she's trying to solve her own mystery here. That seems very reminiscent of Firewalk with me or predictive of Firewalk with me, I suppose, where she something has happened, she's felt this mysterious absence, and she's trying to figure out what it is, and she is both sort of the detective and the subject in a way that, that feels very akin with that film. There's also a, a sort of a subplot, or I guess a, an element of the main plot, about mailing cassette tapes, which of course makes us think of Twin Peaks and Jacoby and the tapes that Laura would mail him. In this case, it's just sounds, listening to uh, the guy playing music and walking around to kind of give her a hint of where he, where he is and where he wants her to meet him. And when I officially began Twin Peaks Cinema on Patreon, Fire in the Sky was the first film that I covered. They are out in the woods when he has this, this alien encounter. So he reports, and all the friends went with this, they said he was, there was this like, floating saucer-shaped thing. He went out of the car and wandered towards it and was zapped by a light. They drove away, and then they felt bad, and one of them came back to find him, and uh, they couldn't find him there. And so the whole town thinks they killed him. There's a a, uh, lawman who comes from out of state. I don't know if he's a state cop detective who's played by James Garner, you know, Maverick from TV, trying to figure out uh, what the game is here. why, Why are they... Act telling this weird story. So the whole town is sort of turning on them. And we get the portrait of this whole community as well. So that's a way in which it sort of relates to Twin Peaks and the film we're going to discuss next next month on this podcast. So I hope you enjoyed these. Um, even though this feed is no longer active, I hope you'll still rate, review, and subscribe so people can find these Twin Peaks cinema episodes uh, that I released to the public and maybe also explore what's on Patreon. So again, that's patreon.com slash lost in the movies to listen to the rest of these uh, film reviews that I recorded, com- uh, you know, comparisons to Twin Peaks and also discussing the films themselves. Thanks for listening. And you can also check out my Lost in the Movies feed where I have some Patreon previews over there as well. Uh, that link will be in the show notes.